Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Now, with the weather turning cold and all the work we're doing for the upcoming bundle sale and going on a trip this weekend, it's starting to feel like the holidays are officially here. <laughs> It is. You're right about that. It, it suddenly is cold. I was at I was at Hilton Head uh, for Remedy Hilton Head this past four day weekend, mm-hmm. and uh, it was uh, it was built as a, the Remedy Beach Retreat sort of thing, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> turned out to be kind of cold, which wasn't any fault of Benji's. I think you know we, we sort of knew going in that uh, it, it may or may not be nice weather. But anyway, it was sort of chilly. Put my feet in the in the sand a bit. Played a little bit of soccer on the beach with with my son, and that was kind of fun. But otherwise, very cold weather. Um, at least feel you're right. Feels like the holidays, and you know what? I like that. I think the holidays they get me excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always I always get get motivated during the holidays for whatever reason. I don't think that's typical. I guess I start looking forward to New Year's because I like New Year's, and yep. I just like I just like thinking about possibility. I like that clean slate of the new year, even though it's entirely, you know, arbitrary and made up in my head. What's but, well? What's the one thing that's getting you really motivated right now, or what are you motivated about? I guess. I'm motivated about the holidays. That's it. <laughs> Just, <laughs> no, I mean, I, okay, all right. You're not motivated to run particularly, or uh... no, not yet. Although this today's interview with with Danny Dreyer did inspire me to run, and I am kind of, uh, yeah, I, I, mean, I have some motivation to to do that. Actually, at the Remedy Hilton Head event, um, well, I, I got kind of motivated to eat really healthily again, which I always oh, always, okay. which happens now and then. I watched uh, Dr. Greger put out a, a video of him making this. This what turns out to be an awful looking vegetable drink smoothie thing <laughs> that that it, it tastes kind of like I, I would imagine like vegetable juices. I don't, I've never really drank that. Don't drink Bloody Marys or anything like that. Cause it just seems weird to me. But anyway, I've been doing this smoothie for the past two days where it is basically a giant salad in a blender and it, it is brown and ugly looking, but kind of tastes halfway good. If you didn't couldn't see it, it wouldn't be bad. So anyway, <laughs> that something like that. Uh, I have that in the morning, and it just gets me gets me wanting to do something, wanting to do a workout, something. Obviously, I obviously I've sort of fizzled on the uh, the hundred miler in the keys that I was thinking about training for. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, someone my friend told me it was too hot, and then we said it on this podcast, and then uh, someone someone a listener was nice enough to write in and say, "Yes, it is very hot," and uh, apparently that was it. That was the nail in the coffin. That was I didn't train after that. Yeah, I just don't understand why the heat is an issue when when, when <laughs> bad water is like the main goal. <laughs> bad water's not the main goal. Bad water is just like the fantasy race that would be cool to run. Uh, yeah, the reality of it though is it's freaking hot, and that that doesn't seem so much fun. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm just like for a comeback hundred where it's been three or yeah. four years, whatever. Like I'm wondering why would I put myself through that? Why not pick something that is just you know a t- typical kind of course, typical weather. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the but but a nice a nice change of pace was this interview with Danny. This actually got me excited, thinking uh, I would like to I'd like to get that out of running. Maybe, maybe a little bit more than getting the sense of accomplishment and building up mileage. Uh, just the things he talked about here with with you know, being mindful that mind body connection. I always like that side of running, and I tend to tend to go back and forth between that and being inspired about racing. So anyway, that's that's what the holidays are. Uh, are good for for me to get me excited so i'm sure that i will be into something new come come new year's i don't know what doug you are uh you're training for 100 though i know that i am yeah would you care to give us a training update 
Training update is the training's coming along pretty good. I've talked a couple times. I mentioned the like terrible running slump I went through this summer, um, but I'm I'd say I'm back in full swing and have a couple marathons coming up. One in January and a forty miler in in February, mm-hmm. and a hundred miler in in April. I'm I'm feeling good. I'm just uh, I'm I'm excited to get out and run long. Good. Yeah, and yeah, so you know a lot of people struggle with motivation around the holidays. I would say mm-hmm. you, you might be the exception to the rule of of where the holidays kind of end up just eating a ton because you're going to all these parties and mm-hmm. drinking a ton because you're going to all these parties. Right. Um. But I, you know, I think that I think I'm going to use that that time this year between Thanksgiving and New Year to do some sort of running goal, running a like challenge kind of thing. Not sure exactly what it is. Might be, might be a run streak. Might be an elevation challenge. Mm-hmm. Something like that. But uh, I, yeah, I like you. I'm feeling feeling a little fired up, and I wanna I wanna take advantage of this holiday period. <laughs> yeah, I like. I always talk about this. We get we get New Year's resolutions. Everyone does that, of course. But the the idea of imagining that you're getting a head start on that. Not not so much on everybody else, but like on whatever your personal whatever the thing is you're just starting to think about might be a great challenge or goal for next year i always like to think of this period usually even it's just for me like the second half of christmas especially that week before new year's sorry the second half of december or that week after christmas before new year's that has always felt like the head start period to me and you sort of like get prepared get everything totally ready like you said a little run streak something that kind of is building a foundation so that when that day hits um that's when you begin and now it's not like you're starting from you know just ultimate low you're actually on, right. on the upswing and it has it builds in that that bit of uh of habit change advice which is that you should like when you when you set a new goal you shouldn't do what most people do which is immediately start on that goal if you actually put a little bit of space in between where you are and your day you're kind of like call that your start day or if you're trying to quit smoking or anything else your quit date that is that, that's an actual concept that works in habit change because it teaches your mind that it's important if you just say uh, i'm never drinking again starting today because you wake up hungover uh, it doesn't really, it doesn't have any importance in your brain. It just feels like, well, I could, I could commit to that again tomorrow if I, if I mess up. Mm-hmm. So by actually putting a date and putting it in the future and, and it's like this event that you're looking up, looking forward to, then when it actually arrives, it has some more weight in your mind and, and actually means something and you're more likely to stay with it. So I like that concept and I like this whole head start concept, con- head start, um, concept that you were doing, Doug. I think it's a very intelligent thing. So are you gonna you wanna join me in a in a little challenge this? Possible. Keep me posted on what it is. I'm gonna be traveling. I haven't really announced this, but I'm gonna be in uh in Europe again for, for a good bit of most of the second half of December. So that should be very nice. But that doesn't mean that I couldn't couldn't do something challenging and good for myself there. I mean I kinda think we should we should announce it on the podcast and then have ever pe- people join join us in doing it. And not a bad idea. Well then, we uh, we'll need to we'll need to think of that before. Maybe right. maybe we, we think about it. <laughs> maybe we think about it while the interview is playing, and we uh, announce the announce the challenge <laughs> in the outro. How about that? I don't know if I'm comfortable with that, Doug. That seems like not very much time to think about it. Think about the challenge. Okay. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I like a nice, well thought out challenge. Okay. Uh, but anyway, we'll have to announce something by next Friday because I think I think after that, now nah, we might have one more Thursday. Actually, we have one more Thursday before November ends. After Thursday after Thanksgiving will be, who knows? Impo- impossible to know, really. 
<laughs> Actually, no, that's the thirtieth. So we could we could theoretically announce a December challenge on the thirtieth. But you know, then if people want to get started, they've kind of got to listen to the episode that day. So right. maybe we should try to announce that next Friday, Black Friday, also known as the twenty fourth. Okay. So that will be our own little challenge between now and then is to come up with a challenge. I think we can do it. Okay, good. Uh, another good reason, by the way, to listen to that Friday episode, we, you have alluded, Doug, to our to our bundle sale, and that is, that's become something of, a, of an event that people look forward to. If, I think for the past three years now, this is probably our fourth, uh, we, do, we do a big bundle sale where we gather a bunch of plant-based products from all around the internet, all of our friends uh, and others who we don't know as well, and just get all these great products together and then discount them massively so it's like 90% off this big bundle of stuff, and it's like a Black Friday weekend deal. So we're going to be doing that again. Can't give any more details than that. Can't even give you a link yet um, to the page. But good thing for you to pay attention to email if you're a Nomad Athlete email subscriber. Pay attention to Facebook if you're a Facebook follower. Uh, and perhaps best of all, listen to our episode, which we'll put out next Friday on Black Friday. Listen to that episode for the link uh, where to to get all these all these goodies. It's going to be pretty legit this year. It seems like it is. It seems like it is ramping up in this year in a way that it has not before. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm for one pretty excited and i'm i'm excited to i'm ex- I would, I, i'm excited to experience all of the products that are involved in this uh, yeah in this bundle definitely good okay well oh two quick shout outs doug i have for friends this is me just using the podcast for personal reasons <laughs> okay, okay. uh my friend jan whose wedding i was just in he is a nomad athlete radio listener hey, and uh he's not i don't think he's vegan but he's he has tremendously improved his diet recently and uh, has begun running in the past year or two. He just did his first marathon, the Baltimore Marathon, Ooh, which was awesome. That I, was my, I, my first marathon. Was it? Yeah. I, I forgot that. That's a hard first marathon. Was it your first marathon? No. It was probably my fifth or something. Okay. But it's, yeah. that's a hard one. It the second terrible. half of that is very, very <laughs> rough. Yeah. I, I just, uh, not to get into the details of that of that race, but I think <laughs> around like mile 20 is you're up around a reservoir or something. Yes, um, and I just completely Lake Montebello completely fell apart. Like wheels came off, walked most of the next six miles. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because because the four miles before that or five miles before that are up a hill the whole way. Yeah, and when and, I finally and through got the, to the inner top, city, it was, just, it was done. That was that was tough. That was really yes. hard. So not an easy first marathon, and uh, it all went really well. Jan did not did not crash or anything like that. So that is a success. And Pete, who you know, Doug mm-hmm. from uh, we did a Ragnar with Pete. He and his brother Matt was Matt. Matt was also on our Ragnar team, wasn't he? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So those two, they together did uh, a fifty miler in the oh, DC hey. area. It wasn't one that I knew, but uh, they did their first fifty, which is awesome. And Pete's pizza went vegetarian and then vegan right along with me when I started No Meat Athlete. You know, like a week behind me on each of those things. He was just kind of red and and uh, you know, like the perfect, the quintessential No Meat Athlete success story. Someone who from the early days of the blog read it, bought in, and just. Stuck with it, and now he's now he's done fifty milers as a vegan. So uh, that's Super that cool. is very cool. So anyway, Congrats yes, congratulations, friends, for doing that. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, anything else before we get to Danny Dreyer, who, by the way, well, let's let's give him the shortest uh, little intro here. He is the author of Chi Running. I think people know about Chi Running. We mention it from time to time. Um, which I guess Doug is a, what a running philosophy book, a technique book, kind of based on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Based, working in this Eastern idea of chi energy, and uh, I don't think you have to buy into that to really, you know, to get something out of chi running. I no, think I think the, the the 
form tips there, the technique. Um, I, there's nothing there that is like, you know, shockingly different from other running techniques, especially these days now that people have kind of embraced, um, you know, more of the, I don't know, I got, uh, this sort of natural, less uh, less forced type of gait that seems like was being taught in the in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So um, that's good. You know, they do plenty of other chi running stuff. They're based here in Asheville. In fact, when I moved to Asheville, I had lunch with Danny and two people on his team uh, in like my first week of being in town. So that was kind of neat. And they do all they do a run as we talked to him in the interview about. They do a weekly run here. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, chi running was was for me uh, kind of played a part. Probably when I was training for that Baltimore marathon that I did actually is when I read chi running and adopted a lot of the form stuff and the breathing stuff uh, stuck for me as did. Several of the other concepts. There's actually quite a quite a bit of good stuff that I got from chi running. Very cool. Very and cool. speaking and of breathing, we we almost had a Bud Coates mention. Well, we did have a Bud Coates mention <laughs> yeah. in here, but but uh, it turned out to be a false one. He, uh, I know. Danny refers to uh, some uh, some guy who wrote the book on breathing while you're running, and uh, I think I I blurted out Bud Coates or something, or maybe running on air or one of those. Uh, of course, not not going you, into the the inside <laughs> joke that you're you're this closet Bud Coates fan, but. <laughs> Anyway. I don't know if it's closet if you announce it on the podcast. No, nah, it's well, thousands yeah, of people. It's closet in the rest of your life because you you don't admit it anywhere. But <laughs> I I believe it to be true. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty funny. And he was he he didn't he didn't understand uh, what we were talking about. No, nah, um, he just just went on. <laughs> that was probably, probably wise. Yeah. But uh, just uh, Chi Running has put together a video series that they're sharing with uh, Nomi Athlete people. They didn't put it together for Nomi Athlete radio listeners but um it's a nice little thing it's a three-part video series on the three mistakes that keep you from being a better runner mm-hmm. so if you're interested in learning more about chi running and uh checking that out you can we set up a link at nomadathlete.com slash chi dash running good all right well then uh, i guess let's get to the interview Doug, and then we'll, then we'll be there for a little outro as well sounds great all right Hey everyone, Matt and Doug. We're here with Danny Dreyer, fellow Asheville resident and author of uh, Chi Running, among other books, I believe. But I, personally, for me, Chi Running uh, was very, very helpful in my, not, not my early days, my sort of middle days of, of trying to become a faster marathoner. And it kind of uh, created the foundation, really, for, for a very good, uh, solid technique that kept me mostly injury-free. And Doug, I know you've uh, benefited from it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So, Danny... Um, I would imagine most people are familiar with chi running or have at least heard of it, but mm-hmm. can you uh, can you give us the background? I mean, I think pretty, most people have the association of chi as the sort of energy thing that is from Eastern, um, I guess, yeah. Eastern medicine. I don't know, in Tai Chi, right? We know what chi is, but how, what's that? How's that background? Uh, how is that specific to you? Like, what was your background in that, and and what was the inspiration yeah. to turn it into a running philosophy? Good. Well, my background in that is really I've had a for twenty years had a practice of Tai Chi. And um, I was an ultra marathoner before I started all of this. And, um, and then when I started taking Tai Chi classes, I, I was learning from this really great master from China. And he was really willing to help me uh, integrate what I was learning from my Tai Chi into running. And Tai Chi is incredible because it, it really is a great paradigm for how to move your body really efficiently because in tai chi you're always moving from your energy center which they call your dantian but you can call it anything you want it's the center of your body 
which is really just, um, well, it's hard to explain, you know, somebody who's doing Tai Chi, that's where you focus yourself and that's where you move from is that point. So if you learn to move from your center, then all the other smaller parts of your body can just kind of go along for the ride. And um, so if, uh, if you're applying this to running, then you really learn to run more from moving yourself from your center and also engaging your core muscles and your legs don't have to work as hard. So that's how it really mostly applies to running in terms of making running highly efficient and much less injury prone. So that all sounds good to me because I'm I'm into meditation. I'm into the whole Eastern stuff. Not 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 mm -hmm. over the top into it, but I'm I, I dabble <laughs> in it. Um, mm -hmm. But to, to someone who who is you know maybe maybe more suspicious of anything Eastern medicine, Eastern philosophy. Yeah. Um, what what's the what is there is there a Western science foundation or would you say, you know has has Western science like said yes, this is valid, that, that I mean, there's a lot of studies to, to sort of back this idea up. Well, the Western science, the interesting thing is that the Eastern science is all internal. Western science is all external. Generally speaking, they're, they they deal with physical science. The Eastern deals with um, energetic science. But they do combine and they do join because uh, in Eastern philosophy, you know, your center, your Dantian, is where a lot of your energy moves from. Well, in Western um, philosophy, your core is where you move from. So your core is a set of physical muscles. And so for quite a few years now, it's been a big emphasis for people to get their core strong, to move from their core, to learn to relax more. And um, and so in, in terms of the West, it's kind of, it's not... Uh, that Western has really understands it in the same way, but they do understand it in terms of how you physically move your body. So even though your Dantian is a location, pretty close to the center of mass of your body. So if you can imagine um, when you when you move your body, if you focus on moving this, your center of mass, then everything else goes along with it. So in physics, that works. You move the center of mass of any object, the whole object has to move with it, you know, and everything has to follow those rules. And so it's very similar to be uh, being, you know, it, it can be backed up by physics on the physical level. But if you say, well, can we measure how much chi somebody has? Nope. Nope. It doesn't. It's not a physical thing. You can't you can't put a meter up to somebody and say, oh, you've got like thirty five pieces of you know chi <laughs> you know but you can say if somebody is moving from their center then um they are much more efficient at moving you know and and i remember you know back in the old days there was a running back for the detroit lions barry sanders and he was this amazing running back that could just totally go around everybody. They just couldn't stop the guy because he moved from his center and he was never caught off balance, you know. And so that's what happens in, um, you know, with running. Most people move from their legs, you know, and it's, it's such a highly efficient, inefficient way to move your body is just to rely on your legs. It just doesn't work as well as if you really move from your center first and let your legs follow. And I can get into more of that with the technique later, but really when you focus on moving from a certain part of your body, then you don't over rely on other parts. So runners really focus on their legs and generally speaking, it's their lower legs. 
And that's those that's a very small group of muscles to be propelling yourself. So that's why people get injured. They overuse all those little muscles that they think are the ones they need to propel themselves with. Yeah, yeah. So I, we do definitely want to get into the technique, but you know, it sounds like you're kind of touching on this. Was was this philosophy or technique uh, born out of a personal need for from you, or is it just yeah. something you, you like? Were you injured no. when you said you're running ultras? So. I was yeah, I was an ultra marathoner, and so I was always looking for a way to get more efficient. You know, if I'm out there for you know sixty or hundred miles, I don't want to come back in a body bag. You know, I don't want to get like you know dragged off the course because I can't walk any longer. That's a long way to run, and so I was always studying the people that passed me late in the run, and almost every single one of them always had a forward lean in their running technique. Just like I was seeing how the Kenyans run. They run with this huge forward lean. Well, that's how they're able to propel themselves and without using their legs quite as much. And so I needed to learn how to become more efficient. So I was always studying the people who knew how to do it. You know, people passing me obviously knew something. And uh, all the people that were winning the races knew something. So I would just study them. When I found out the trick, that's when I realized, uh, and I found that trick through Tai Chi. It was totally accidental. I mean, I just happened to be interested in Tai Chi, and a friend of mine, I, I grew up in Boulder, and a friend of mine said, hey, this Tai Chi guy moved to town, you ought to check out his class, he's a very cool guy. And um, I did that and realized from the first day that he was having people move from their center and have everything else follow. The next day I went out, and I was already in the midst of my ultra running career, next day I went out for a run, and it was like night and day, it wasn't just better, it was like completely i felt completely different when i got back from my run because my legs hadn't worked that hard so i thought oh my god if i could throw this <laughs> into a 50 miler are you kidding this is golden <laughs> you know and i and i then i you know right after that i moved to from boulder to san francisco and i met a really high level tai chi instructor and he was very willing to show me all of his tricks and how to move the body that way and so it's uh it was an accidental discovery, but I really studied it. You know, I just totally picked it apart and, and tried to figure out, well, okay, it really works for me. How do I tell this to somebody else? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it sounds great, right? I mean, it sounds, if you can move from your, your center and, and not work your legs too hard, I mean, that sounds ideal, right? For, for runners. Yeah. But what does that yeah. mean? Practically speaking, what, like what, what is the Tai Chi or the Chi running technique? Okay. So the Chi running technique, when, when you, um, if you look at how the body is set up, your, your core is where all the larger, strongest muscles are, right? As you get more distal away from your center, all the muscles get smaller and smaller. So, so chi running is all about running in a way where you use, where your muscles use only their proportional amount. You only require the small muscles to do little work and the big muscles do big work. So it's really, it's, it's a distribution system. For, for propelling yourself while running. So the chi running technique really relies on having really good body alignment. And that means posture. When I teach a running clinic, I the first thing I start off with is getting people better posture. And when you have good posture, your core automatically engages. It has to. Um, because if you don't have good posture, other muscles engage, and then you get, end up getting more tired more quickly. And so I start with posture, and then I take that posture line that's nice and straight and tall, and then I have everybody 
so so imagine this. So if you have a posture line, the center of that posture line, right right in the middle between the bottom and the top, is pretty much where your where your energetic center is. If you move that first and move your legs second, then you actually become a falling object. Gravity takes over, where you're really um, falling forward. And you probably felt that you feel it now because you've learned it. But most of us learn just ran that way as kids. If you watch kids run, they're always falling forward. You know, mm-hmm. in my running classes, I ask everybody, okay, raise your hand if you never fell down when you were running as a kid. Nobody has ever raised their hand yet because at some point you just get off balance and you just fall on your face, you know? I mean, and that's how kids learn. You watch a little toddler learning how to walk, they fall on their face so many times because that's how they propel themselves. They fall forward. And then they learn how to balance themselves in this nice little forward fall. Well, you know, as you get older, you really don't want to fall. It's a, it's further down. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it hurts more. And um, and so adults start uh, running upright. You know, they they don't want to fall, so they start. They change how they move. They run upright. When you run upright, then gravity is pulling straight down on your body, and the only way you can move forward is if you push yourself with your legs. So all of a sudden, it changes the physics. So what I'm trying to get people to do is go back to running how they did as kids only I explain it like intellectually understanding why you want to run that way not why you uh, you know want to run upright it just costs you too much and so chi running is really all about learning how to cooperate with that pull of gravity right and um, Tai Chi is all about cooperating with the forces that you're having to deal with. Somebody's trying to punch you. You don't want to punch him back at the same time. You want to cooperate with the force coming at you and move with it, right? So you always want to cooperate with whatever force is uh, pulling you or coming at you. And as a runner, there are two main forces that you need to deal with. The pull of gravity. It's either pulling down on you or it's pulling you forward if you're leaning into it. And the force of the road coming at you. Right. You need to cooperate with that force. So that means you don't swing your legs into that oncoming road. You really relax your legs and learn to swing them rearward Mm -hmm. rather than swing them forward. And most runners reach with their legs. I mean, overstriding is is uh, is a rampant um, mistake. Most people make in their running thinking they have to reach with their legs and pull themselves forward and reach with their legs and pull themselves forward or push off. But what happens when you push off? If you're running upright, you have to push yourself forward because you're not falling, right? So if you push forward, there's risk of overusing the small propulsive muscles at the on the lower leg, right? And that's why people get shin splints, calf pulls, um, you know, plantar fasciitis, you name it. I mean, that's where most running injuries come. It's from the knees down. It's because from overuse, overuse injuries or... If you're pushing with one leg and you're running upright, you have to catch yourself with your lead leg. So every time you step in front of you, every time your foot lands in front of you, you're putting the brakes on. There's no way around it. It's just physics. And so can you imagine running, pushing with one leg and stopping with the other? That's like so inefficient. (laughs) It's crazy. You know, you either get an impact injury or you get an overuse injury. So, you know, what's the upside of that? And so what I'm trying to do is get people to fall forward. So then you're cooperating with that pull of gravity because you're letting it pull you. And then you're cooperating with the force of the road coming at you because your legs are only swinging rearward. 
you relax your legs. You don't reach forward. You just let your feet come down under you and let them let the road cooperate with the road. Let the road swing your legs for you in a rearward direction. So chi running is all about learning how to find that balance so that you can create this setup. Gotcha. So my I remember those things particularly from chi running. Um, yeah. I also remember a few other things. Um, I, I know you guys talk a lot about the midfoot strike, and I think that's an mm-hmm. important thing to touch on because that that is you know mm-hmm. in the past maybe five ten years has kind of I think been like the runner's obsession. Like where do I land on my foot? As if this is sort of the oh, cure all yeah. thing. And and actually I, I've kind of told people this for a while that I don't think you should just adjust your foot. Like it, it should come from no. somewhere much more central. <laughs> so so what yeah. is your recommendation? That someone says, okay, I need to change my foot strike and I need to stop landing on my heel and I want to now land in the middle. How do how do you tell someone to do that other than tilt your foot differently, which is more of a band-aid approach. Yeah, well, well, one thing, first of all, is that, um, first of all, when you run upright, you can't help but land in a heel strike. It's, impo- it's almost impossible. Mm-hmm. I mean, try it sometime. <laughs> try to run dead upright and try to land in a midfoot strike. You can't do it. You have to land heel first. Okay, so the first thing is to not change your feet. The first thing is to change the fall of your body. You know, so you move from a different place. So, you, so you're right. You you don't rely on your feet to make the change. You change your whole body. Your feet have to cooperate with it. Okay. The other thing is, is that if you don't want a heel strike, if you want a midfoot strike, you're more likely to do it by a, by doing two things. One is relaxing your lower legs, because most of the people. I was in San Francisco on Sunday morning. Um, and I just happened to be running out on the, the marina there in Chrissy Field and the Golden Gate Triathlon. I mean, not the Golden Gate Triathlon, the Golden Gate Half Marathon was being run. So I decided to run against the flow to watch everybody. <laughs> and so I got to watch like 5,000 people. And uh, it was really hard to watch, man, because I caught them at right about mile 10. So they were already pretty tired. Yep. And their their running form is already the wheels are starting to come off for most people, and I could see the grimace on their face. I could see how hard they were hitting on their heels. They weren't leaning. They were reaching with their legs, and it was um, it was really, like I said, kind of hard to watch. And so I got to see example after example of people pushing and stopping, pushing and stopping. Mm. And so um, it's just. It's what happens to people. It's their default mode of moving. And so I'm just trying to get people to be aware of that that's not that safe of a way to run. Um, and then so if, if you want to get people to really feel their midfoot strike, you have to keep them from dorsiflexing. And you know what that is. For most people who don't know what it is, it means that when you swing your foot forward, your po- toes point to the sky. And there's no way you can't land heel first. So people, um, most of their lives tend to dorsiflex because they're afraid of that landing. They're trying to, you know, ease that landing. So instead of landing on their toes, they land on their heels. And that, that was that's why running shoes have been built for, you know, decades with a thick heel to cushion that landing. Well, it doesn't cushion the landing. It just increases the landing impact. And so relax your lower legs and stay ahead of your feet. Stay so, ahead of your feet. So on the topic of shoes, uh, I wanted to ask you, I'm, I'm assuming just based on your philosophy that, that a more minimalist shoe is sort of uh, your 
your recommendation. Is that is that accurate? And and if so, you know what what do you think about the the maximal shoes, the bigger ones that that seem to be so popular among ultra runners now? Okay, so um, so what I think is that every runner is different, but that being said. Um, I don't agree with the heel lift on shoes. I think you don't have to wear a minimal shoe, but you do need to get something close to a zero drop or four millimeters or something just not much because um, any of a, any higher amount of heel not only puts too much pressure on your the ball of your foot because you're already on a, in a lean, you know, when you're just standing there, but it also creates more impact on the heel. And so I'm a firm believer in a zero drop or a minimal drop shoe, but um, not a minimalist shoe necessarily. If you have really great technique and you don't land hard, yeah, you can run in a minimalist shoe, no problem. But if you um, need cushioning, get a zero drop shoe that has a little more cushioning now up to a certain point that works if you get beyond kind of just uh, I don't know how many millimeters is pretty safe you know somewhere between for for most runners less than 12 millimeters of thickness on the bottom of cushioning if you get into the super cushioning shoes all of a sudden they're so soft and so much cushioning that your ankles and your feet and your legs have to actually um, have more tension in them because you're on an unstable surface it's like you're running on grass or something like that you know something so soft that then your ankles and low legs have to tense up because it's unstable and um, and especially those really thick shoes uh, if you're running trails or something like that and you're on a, a side slope, it really magnifies that angle of um, that lateral angle on your ankles. And it's so hard on your ankles. It's like running on a beach forever that's on a slant. You know, it really magnifies that. So the really thick shoes are they just absorb so much of your impact that you don't get any energy return at all, you know, from your ligaments and tendons or the shoe or anything so you have to um it's up to a certain point now you know those those big thick shoes were invented by ultra marathon mountain trail runners and they love them on the downhills yeah when you're cruising down a scree slope that's 45 degrees you want about as much cushioning as you can possibly find but when you're on the flat or heading back up again you don't want that you know i've tried those really thick shoes and my legs are have never been as tired afterwards running in those really soft cushioned shoes because my legs have to work so hard to i mean it kills your propulsion kills the spring in your legs it just you know think about it this way if you take a ball bearing and drop it on a concrete floor what's it going to do bounce. it's going to bounce right mm -hmm. you take a ball bearing and um drop it on a shag rug what's it going to do <laughs> it's going to just stop yeah. right there is no energy return there and that's the same example of like, you know, why would you want to shoot, you know, that's that thick, you know, doesn't work. It really doesn't. If you're sensitive to your body. And one of the things we really um, try to, we're big proponents of, and she running is body sensing. How do you feel your body so that you know what's right and you know what's wrong, you know? So that's, uh, that's a big part of the training we do. So then you've got a skill you can have for the rest of your life to really help you make good physical decisions over how to move your body.
Hey, we'll talk talk to us a little bit more about that. How how what is body yeah. sensing and uh... so body sensing is really truly mind body work. Okay, so this this catchphrase has been around for eons. You know, mind body. What's mind body? People think it's mind over body. Well, that that's not it. <laughs> it's really learning how to have your mind, which is the observer, and your body, which is like it's a difference between a you know a horse and rider. <laughs> Let's say your mind is the rider, but your body's the horse. But they got to work as a team, you know. You don't just if you, if the horse just goes off and you don't have any control over it, it doesn't do you any good. If the mind is so in control that the horse can't do anything, or the mind is oblivious and doesn't know how to run the horse, that doesn't help you either. So it's really learning how to form this really incredible partnership between this between your mind, which is uh, a really good, you know, observing, thinking, planning mechanism, and this body, which you need to get yourself around, whether you're running or walking or whatever you're doing. And so Qi running really works at uh, training how to body sense, which is creating a communication link between your mind and your body. So here's how it works. So let's say you go out on a run, you're running along. Um, you use your mind to kind of sense what's going on in your body. That's that's the first step in body sensing is to go, hmm, uh, so your body, so let's say, for instance, you're running along, your knee starts to hurt, okay? So that's your body talking to your mind. That's half of the pair <laughs> saying, talking upstairs and going, hey, guys, this hurts. What are you going to do about it, you know? And uh, for most people, they go, well, that's just the way I run, you know? I mean, you know, what do you mean? What am I going to do about it? But if you're mindful about how you move, then you go, hmm, knee pain. Does That, that must mean, let me, let me feel what's going on. And then your mind like, senses your body and it goes, wow, you know what? I'm really leading with my leg and I'm landed on that heel and I can feel the shock of the road coming up into my leg. No wonder, you know, my knee hurts. And, and so then your mind goes, mm, now, what did I hear? What should I do? Oh, yeah, I'm going to straighten up my posture. Instead of reaching with my leg, I'm going to fall ahead of my feet. And all of a sudden, that impact goes away. Your, your body is talking from the knee, and it's going, hey, you know, this feels better. And your mind goes, good, we're cool. And the knee goes, yeah, we're cool. And so that's you working through your own little situation with, um, with your own body by feeling it, sensing it, responding to it from what you know, and then um, and then you instate a change, and then you listen to see if it makes a change. And if everybody did that, if we were taught body sensing from grade school on, you know what? People would know when to get up from the dinner table instead of keep eating. They would know when to get up from their desk so their back doesn't start hurting because it's been frozen for eight hours <laughs> in one position. They would know to straighten up their head and, and not look down at their cell phone. They would, you know, body sensing is like the key to really uh, in increasing the quality of your life. Because when you really start sensing what's not right and you start learning how to change that for the better, Man, you're golden for the rest of your life. You can you can really improve your quality of life for the rest of your life. That's a skill. So that's kind of in the background of tea running, but it really ends up being a, a really cool skill you can take with you anytime. You know? Yeah, I love that. As you were talking, I was I was drawing the parallels to to eating and food and sensing when you're when you're full, and even also sensing like, do you actually want? I mean, I feel like so many people have this addiction to junk yeah. food, and if you 
if, sure. you, if you were paying more attention, I think you, you can sometimes find that you actually do want healthy food. And I think that obviously yeah. the longer you do it, the more the more that happens. Um, yeah, in body sense, you know, if you were go, to go out right now and have a monster steak, you know, you would feel something. Yeah, sure. You know, <laughs> you feel the difference from from the no meat athlete. You, know? <laughs> you let me tell you, your 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 body would be talking to you. I'm, you know? I'm sure, I'm sure, and, and, then, and everyone else too. Your, I'm sure. Yeah, then your mind feels it, and then your mind makes a response. Oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. You know. Right. So one more thing uh, specifically about the, the chi running philosophy that maybe is even a little more in the forefront than, uh, than the mind-body communication aspect um, that just jumps out as me as one of the big keys I took away from the book was the breathing, the whole breathing pattern. And mm-hmm. uh, the numbers three and two still are, are stuck in my head with the chi running breathing. Uh, I honestly don't remember which, whether it was three in, two out, or two yeah. in, three out, but uh, I know whenever I fooled around with it, I really did enjoy it for two reasons. One, it... Uh, you know, it, it, it gave me something else to think about, uh, yeah. that it just became this thing to do when I was kind of suffering or, and I guess I shouldn't be suffering if my, if my mind and body were communicating, but when it was hard, it gave <laughs> hey, me something it else to focus on. <laughs> right. Uh, and then uh, of course the, the whole, the fact that then you start alternating which foot you are landing on when you, when you yes. breathe out. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that? And in specific, you know, what is, what is that breathing philosophy and how can someone, uh, try it at home? Oh my God. You know, there's, um, there, you could write a whole book on just breathing and how important it is. In fact, a, somebody has written that book, <laughs> and his name, his name's Patrick McEwen, oh. <laughs> and it's called the Oxygen Advantage. And this okay. guy has done all the scientific study, and he teaches it, and it's it's awesome. But uh, basically, what the breathing is is it does a number of things. It's not just like like you said. Um, you know, you get into a regular breathing pattern that matches your cadence, you know, the rate at which your feet touch the ground. It's great because you can emphasize for you, it's, you know, whether it's three steps on your in-breath and two steps on your out-breath or three steps, you know, two steps on your in-breath and three on the out. It doesn't really matter, but it does depend on what you're trying to accomplish, okay? If you're trying to relax, you might want to take, you know, um, three breaths on the, um, uh, I mean, three strides on the out breath. It's a very relaxing kind of way to run. Then you just breathe in for two and then you take a nice long out breath. Um, and so depending on what you want to do, if you want to create power, then you really have good couple forceful breaths on two steps in a row. And then you just take your time breathing in and then two forceful breaths heading out. But, um, with breathing, it's important that you belly breathe when you're running, especially, um, because the air gets deeper into your lungs when you belly breathe and it sets up a whole different system in your body. Um, you know, it's the difference between chest breathing and belly breathing. You chest breathe, you're in fight or flight, you're in panic mode. You start chest breathing. You don't get as much oxygen and you start, you know, your body starts not wanting to burn as much glycogen, you know, I mean, or no, I'm sorry, it does burn through incredible amount of fuel in a short period of time. On the other hand, if you belly breathe, it sets up the, you know, parasympathetic nervous system that, that persistence running. So anybody who does distance running, you really need to belly breathe. The other thing that I've learned is it's also important to nose breathe. Because when you nose breathe, it's easier to belly breathe. And when you mouth breathe, you chest breathe. And when you chest breathe, you're way inefficient. Okay, so um, learn to run, breathe through your nose when you're running. It's and it really starts calming your mind when you're running, and that's that's a key to being a relaxed runner is having a relaxed body and mind when you run. And so there's a lot to breathing, but um, when you're rhythmical in your breathing, 
I just read a scientific study out of Harvard that came out just last week or something. It's crazy. But when you breathe rhythmically, it sets up your brain waves to be able to um, run more efficiently and your body just operates better when you are rhythmical in your breathing. And um, yeah, it's amazing stuff. So the breath is, is so important. Uh, it's crazy. People don't realize how important the breath is and how often they don't breathe right or stop their breath or, you know, difference between nose breathing and mouth breathing. So there's there's a whole science to it. Yeah. yeah I, I remember the first time I tried to run while nose breathing and it was a completely different experience for me. It, just, it stands out um, as a much more relaxing kind of meditative way to uh, way to run. Yeah. But uh, when you so get when much I'm more hearing, air, you, oh, go ahead. You know, when you get more air deeper into your lungs through nose breathing, then yeah, you're more oxy- your blood's more oxygenated, and it ha- transports that oxygen to your muscles much more easily. Yeah, it's a cool thing. So when I hear you say relaxed way to run, relaxed running, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think of more comfort. I think of injury prevention. I think of those types of things, but it doesn't really scream out to me as uh, a way to improve my performance as a runner. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, talk yeah. to me, is, is chi running a, it, how will it affect uh, my performance as, as an athlete? And, and is it even performance oriented? Yeah. Yes. You know, for the first number of years, I wasn't performance oriented. You know why? It's because I couldn't, you know, First of all, I was trying to teach people how to run correctly, right? Well, when I first came out in 1999 or 2000 or something like that, people are going, what do you mean tell me how to run? That's crazy. I already know how to run. And especially the elites, the people who are into performance, they're going, are you kidding me? I'm at the top of my game. I'm not going to listen to you. Okay. But um, since then, so so I didn't focus on the elites. They're like half of 1% of all runners, you know, and they won't listen to you anyway. So I never focused on performance running at first because didn't do any good. And so, but now that there are a lot of people running more correctly, now what my I am definitely focusing on performance. In fact, I've developed a whole performance um, uh, series of lessons. And but how I do performance is before you even start thinking when people think performance they think getting stronger doing more intervals doing them faster you know shorter breaks you know really hammering to get in better shape to run faster what i do is my approach is that if you want to get fast the first thing you do first thing is get rid of what slows you down because it's not going to do you any good to build a bunch of muscles and then be fighting some part of your body that's not working well, right? Mm-hmm. That's tight, that's tense, it's like, you know, small range of motion or like whatever it is. So I start coaching people to get faster by getting rid of what slows you down first. And so that means, you know, uh, um, generally relaxing more. If you're holding tension anywhere in your body, some other part of your body has to work harder to overcome that tension if you want to get faster. That doesn't work. You just build a lot more muscles to try to overcome yourself. <laughs> you know, sounds, sounds funny, but man, I can't tell you how many people think that way. You know, I got to get stronger. Got to get stronger. 
you know. But no, no, you need to get rid of what slows you down. And in most cases, it's relaxing. So I first get people to get really good technique in a relaxed mode. And once you get your technique more efficient, then you can add in strength. And it's like, you know, putting premium gas in a, in a car designed for regular, you know. All of a sudden, you've got this whole extra kick of adding strength on top of a really good running machine, you know. But if you don't have a good running machine, you can you can put, you know, flight fuel in it, and it's not going to run better, you know. <laughs> and so is that is that what the Chi Running School is? You mentioned the series of lessons that yeah. help people with the performance. Is that Chi Running School? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, the Chi Running School. So that's what I've come up in the last couple of years. I've I've made a whole series of videos, and it's a subscription thing that people can join monthly or annually or whatever. But I deliver them once a week uh, a lesson, and it's a little video lesson. It takes about ten minutes to watch, but it's one aspect of your running form that you focus on for a week, just one thing, because it's easier to learn if you're only focusing on one thing. And then um, along with that comes an audio download audio version so you can upload it into your phone and take it out on the run and in real time i'm telling you exactly what to do on that lesson for an entire week and then you get to keep that lesson and then the next week i get delivered a new one to do just that for another whole week now that means that if you do it for a week it really this is this is all about neural training so if you want to get better at your running you need to change your mind literally your brain how it fires, how it works, what, how it deals with something new so that you can actually run better. And so this little repetition exercise for every workout for a week really gets it into your body and starts forming that mind-body connection that makes that particular focus that you're working on that week really ingrained. So in a week, you got a pretty good jump on it. And then when you get the new lesson the next week, it's easy to remember the previous week because you've just been doing it for a week. So you start building this whole toolbox of each of the little pieces that creates good running form, whether it's how to swing your arms or whether it's how to hold your posture well, how to feel your core, how to relax your legs, you know, how to not push off, how to fall, all of that stuff. There's a lesson for it, each one of those. And so, and we've had remarkable results from it. I mean, I tell people, you want to learn fast, slow it down. You know, take bite-sized pieces and you'll get better faster rather than trying to change everything at once. Yeah, I like that. Is it something uh, that, I mean, do you prescribe workouts and miles and all that? Or is this sort of sit on top of somebody's existing, you know, marathon or half marathon or 5K plan and they just do this along with it? Uh, you can do both. Yes. We, we have, this is really a technique-based and then, um, so, so the whole school is a total, right now, it's like over 100 lessons, all right? And the lessons are, some of them are technique lessons. Some of them are conditioning lessons, which get you in better shape. Some of them are actually performance lessons, how to actually get the most out of your tech, technique. So it's mixed. It's all, it's a whole mix. And so... Um, that you can use the Chi Winning School in conjunction with your existing training program. So if you're, you know, following uh, Matt Fitzgerald or, you know, Jack Daniels or whoever you're doing, you can add this and just because this adds a mindful component to whatever training program you're using. But we also have our own training programs, which is very different than how everybody else trains. 
our training programs are race specific technique based training programs. So you apply it, you figure out what race you're going to do. You do all your research on what is the course I'm going to be running on. And then you practice that technique for that specific course. If you're running the Boston Marathon, you better be ready for a six-mile downhill start and then a whole bunch of hills. Mm -hmm. Rolling hills, a really steep section, you know, two-thirds of the way through, and then a downhill finish. If you're not trained technically for how to change your technique throughout that race, you're not going to do as well as if you have dress rehearsals every time you go out to run. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're a huge advantage over somebody who just goes there and, well, I'm going to give it my best shot, you know? No, that's not the way to give it your best shot. Your best shot is to know what you're going to do every step of the way. And then you know what's coming up. You know how to change your technique to go uphill. You know how to change your technique to go downhill. Uh, you know you know how to conserve fuel. You know how to, how to fuel, when to fuel, when to hydrate, when to take your electrolytes. It's like a business plan. So when you run, I've had, I can't tell you how many people email us after training for their event this way and they go oh my god like i you know i don't only pr'd i beat last year's time by half an hour it's something ridiculous <laughs> you know <laughs> so it works you know but most coaches do not teach race specific training they'll they'll get you stronger they'll do you through tons of intervals here's what you run today is what you run tomorrow but they don't say Here's what you run if you're going to do, you know, the uh, Golden Gate Half Marathon, mm -hmm. you know. It's a flat start, and then you better be ready for some hills and climbing up to the Golden Gate Bridge. And then the Golden Gate Bridge is a huge hill. People think it's flat. It's not. It's a big hill. And you turn around to the other side, and you got another big hill to come back over the bridge. And then you got this screaming downhill finish and then a flat at the end. But, you know, if you're trained for that, if you know how to run flat and change your technique, you know how to go up a hill, man, you're like pretty golden. Hmm. That's really interesting. I've, I've never really focused at all on, on different techniques for different, uh, you know. Oh, you're in Asheville. If you were to go train, <laughs> you decided, you know, I'm going to go run the, the Biltmore half, mm -hmm. you know. Um, that's, that's the same thing. It's a flat start, and it's got two giant hills in it with downhills in between and then a totally flat finish. You could finish much better if you knew what that course was like. And every training run you did, you went out and practiced some aspect or some mock-up of a section of that course. Man, you would be like hmm. totally killing it Yeah, on race. Yeah. Very cool. So all that, uh, including Chi Running School, and I saw yeah. you guys had a, had a free video course as well, Three Biggest Mistakes That Keep, keep You From Being a Better Runner or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, that's all chirunning.com is where people can find that stuff. Yeah, chirunning.com. You can go and on our homepage, you can just right in the middle of the homepage, you can click and get these three free videos. And they're the three biggest mistakes everybody makes that keeps them from being a better runner. And that's it's just a really cool series. And they can just watch that and uh, find out more about what chi running is. And then um, then we can introduce you to the chi running school at the end of the on the last video. There you go. And you don't even have to come to Asheville for it. <laughs> you can if you want, but I only teach here once a year. <laughs> you, do you guys still do the morning, those really, really early morning runs down in uh, Bent Creek? Bent, Bent Creek, yeah, absolutely. You still do it? What time? Yeah, uh, 8.30 on oh, Sundays. Oh, not so early. Okay, I know it used to be earlier than that, right? I've just started doing the – I started up the training program for the Asheville Biltmore Marathon and Half Marathon. So we just started training two weeks ago. So we meet every Sunday and uh, so if people want to join, they can just contact us 
through, uh, yeah, through our website or through the Biltmore Marathon. All right. Well, Danny, thank you for your time. This has been uh, enlightening and inspiring. And, uh, I, you know, I kind of feel like going out for a run. It's been a long time since I <laughs> can really say that. I've been in a little bit of a slump, but, uh, but this, really? this definitely okay. makes me. Yeah, yeah but this makes me, makes me want to do it. I, I sure do. Thanks, Matt. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Danny. We'll talk to you later. All right. Okay, so that was Danny Dreyer of Chi Running, and uh, as I said, Doug, you can consider me inspired about running. That's great. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed that conversation. I think, uh, I don't know, I just, I like that philosophy, and I like just this kind of simplistic way of looking at running. Um, yep, me too. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start doing those five Tibetans things again. Oh, remember that? that's good. Yeah. Because I, I got to get back into some sort of fitness, and that maybe that's where I need to begin. That's a good one. But that, combined with chi running. See, I still have my neighborhood problem, though. I'm stuck. I'm on a third of a mile loop island of a neighborhood, and I, and I got to drive anywhere to run. And that, that to me, kills the, the chi-ness of it. You got to move. <laughs> I, I, I guess <laughs> I do. I think it's official. <laughs> yeah. No, what, what we got to do, we talked about this that one, one other time. What, what I think you should do is find a neighborhood that's, like a half mile away that you can drive right, to. Right, and surely there is that. It would take the most minimal amount of effort to find that, and yet I haven't done it. <laughs> and yet you haven't done it. Maybe I'm going to do it for you. <laughs> There's a nice park trail thing near me, uh, Carrier Park, that is probably a 10-minute drive. Carrier Park, yeah, the, uh, and then the, the paved path there? Yeah, the paved path, or you can go on the on the dirt thing by the river. Oh, never done it's the perfect. dirt thing by the river. Yeah, it's like a little wood chips type oh, thing. Matt, you have a beautiful spot right there. You're I know, I know, but I gotta gotta get in the car and drive. It ruins it. You should do family outing. Get the whole family involved. No, that really ruins it. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, that's, I like doing that, but when we talk about chi running and relaxing and all that, it is uh, not that. Yep. It's the opposite of that. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, so as what's the link again, Doug, for for the chi running uh, for their free video course? Nomadathlete.com slash chi dash running. Chi running, good. And if you go to that, uh, and Danny mentioned that they have they have their their chi running school, I think it's called. Uh, if you end up doing that, you'll get some kind of discount for you know coming through that link. And then Nomadathlete will also earn a uh, you know affiliate kickback thing, um, not a large one, but but enough little way to support the show. And speaking of supporting the show, Doug, we we haven't talked about Nomadathlete Tribe in a while. But I think people would be interested to hear that we are actively turning down advertiser requests. That's right. We because are it was a, saying no. Yeah, we were saying it was a bold move. We, we had our two biggest months in Nomadathlete Radio history. Uh, I don't. I don't know. We were in two hundred twenty-five something thousand downloads a couple months in a row, and and right then, the smart business people we are, we said, <laughs> we're we're not doing ads anymore. We're cutting that <laughs> off right at our at our peak. So, or maybe not the peak. Maybe maybe it's on the way to the to the next peak. But anyway, well, I mean, go, you know, it's ahead. just uh, we we value this community so much, and uh, and think it would just be the coolest thing if we could rely on the community support to keep this podcast going. Because no one wants to listen to ads, and this is kind of an ad, but you know, but at least we're talking about ourselves here, right? In the community, yeah, of course. So I mean, you know, I, I just it, I think that that is such a cool thing to um, to be able to offer to say it's it's completely community supported so that's what we're trying to do and there are of course tons of perks with it there's the facebook group there's a weekly newsletter 
all kinds of uh, hangouts, hangouts, hangouts hang out. fun things like that. Um, so it's not only a good way just to keep the podcast going, but also, um, of course, you know, there's there's some goodies in there as well. Yep, and it is the cost of a of a Starbucks coffee per month. I'm, I got to find out exactly what drink it is the cost of. It's three dollars <laughs> per month, and I don't know if they have anything that's three dollars, but I'm sure I could find something that's three ten. It's, and uh, it's the cost of that. It's the cost of whatever beer is on special at my favorite bar here in Black Mountain. Yeah, but then you're comparing it to beer, and people are going to pick the beer over our over supporting. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's a good, coffee, good. coffee, and Starbucks are like the enemy, right? So it's easy yeah, to right, right, go right, against okay. them. Beer is our friend, so don't don't let anybody know that it's the same price as a beer. <laughs> anyway, though, uh, yes, it, I think maybe it's an idealistic way of looking at things, but it would be quite cool if we did not have to rely on ads at all, and we could just do this podcast and be listener supported. Uh, which is the way Nomad Athlete itself mostly runs. We don't really have any sponsored content anymore, uh, and I'm quite proud of that. So, yeah. Um, anyway, we'd love to keep doing that. But as we've said, we do have to keep getting tribe members. Uh, we are not nearly at the at the level where we are covering the cost of what we're now losing from from saying no to ads, which is mm-hmm. fine. We're good with that for a while. We knew that would be the case. Um, but we do need to see it. We do need to see it kind of uh, get some traction in order to keep doing this because. You know, I think especially as the new year comes around, there are more advertisers. We've already gotten a few other ones that, uh, you know, are, are looking to to reach and a great audience like ours, honestly. So uh, please, nomadathlete.com slash tribe is where you can support the show. And other than that, uh, pay attention next week for our bundle sale. And that's uh, we'll mention the, the link in, in an interview next week that uh, we'll be doing with a, a fun return guest. And that's all I'm going to say about it. All right. Anything else, Doug? That it? I think that's it. All right. And we'll get to work thinking of what uh, what our December challenge will be. Yeah. I think I like that. We need need a catchy little name for it, and then we'll we'll do something. I think. Can you hear Eliza in the background? I sure can. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) She's being taken care of, I promise. (laughs) Good. All right. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.